Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Rose of a long shot, chopped down in front by Hulla. And away comes Rick White for Molson. Up for Fontaine. Fontaine puts it back in front. They score! Eric Hulla gives the wild away. Well, Matthew Collar covers the Vikings primarily for 1500ESPN.com. You can find him on the Purple Podcast. He's also an NHL insider writer for ESPN.com or ESPN insider NHL writer. I don't know what it says on your business card. still employed by him, so that's good. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't lay you off with all the other 100 people. I don't make near enough money from them to get laid (laughs) off. You're you're just kind of in the basement with Milton and his stapler right now. I I basically just contribute a weekly column to them, usually on analytics. But you follow the NHL closely. You uh, covered the Buffalo Sabres, and and you're plugged in. So are you – let's start with this. We played the Howla highlight. The the Wild winds up losing Eric Howla and uh, Alex Tuck in the expa- uh, expansion draft proceedings. Which one of those players do you think is the bigger loss in five years from now? Uh, well, Tuck has the higher potential. He's 21 years old. He did some decent scoring early on at Boston College. Uh, he's six foot four, around 220 pounds. So he's a big guy. I don't project him as being a superstar-level player. I think he would have scored more by now in his uh, couple of levels, NCAA and uh, in the AHL, if he was going to be. But I think he's got the potential to be like a fringe top six type of winger. Uh, Howla is a locked-in, very, very good bottom six center. So I guess with Tuck, there's there's a possibility that he never becomes anything. Or there's a possibility he becomes a fringe top six. So he could be better. I would put my money on him being better. But you are losing a a very solid player in Howla. Uh, With that all said, Mm -hmm. I'd do that a thousand times out of a thousand. Bingo. To keep Mad Dumba. In fact, I called someone this morning and asked, what was Vegas thinking? Why why would (laughs) Vegas take this as opposed to a 22-year-old defenseman who, when he's on the ice, the Wild have scored more goals per 60 minutes at even strength than any other defenseman over the last three years. 22 years old. For a defenseman, I think the prime is 25. For a forward, it's probably 22, 23, where they enter their prime. For a defenseman, I think it takes longer. I mean, you're just now seeing Eric Carlson develop his defensive game fully. I mean, so you've got three more years before Dumba is even who he's going to be for the rest of his career. I have no idea why you wouldn't just draft that instead uh what i was told is mcphee is trying to do this the gm of vegas without ruffling too many feathers he wants to keep 
Seriously. What? 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 what, what, what? <laughs> he wants to keep good relationships to start off with because he knows he's going to have to make a lot of moves, which I agree with your reaction, and that was actually my reaction. Really? But what, what part of saying, Chuck... I appreciate what you're trying to do. We're taking Dumba. Right. It's going to ch- right. cause Chuck to say, I am never dealing with you again, George. Well, you know, I, I could see that logic. Just to go down what Jub was saying yesterday, when you're an expansion team, it's ideal to be bad for a few years because you're still going to sell tickets and you get the number one draft pick and you have a chance to get the Sidney Crosby type player. But that so that logic would apply, I think, if you were going to take an Eric Stahl. You know what? We're going to be good. We're not going to take one of your current best players knowing that we want to be bad anyways in the next few years. But when you're talking about a 22-year-old who might be on your roster for 10 years, if you keep signing him to contracts, all right, I guess good for the wild. Here's the evidence that this is really common, though. I mean, RFAs never get offer sheeted. Almost (laughs) never. Like If you look at right now, the Boston Bruins have a 21-year-old player in David Pasternak who scored 70 points in 75 games. Their cap situation is a total disaster, they would have no chance at matching an offer sheet. So if you were Vegas, you could put in an offer sheet on David Pasternak, get a 21-year-old 70-point scorer, mm-hmm. not have to give up that much. But be, you won't do that. You would have to give up draft picks yeah. to put in that offer sheet, but you just got a bunch of draft picks. But they won't do it because there is this kind of even code within the GMs. Oh my and that's God. what I was trying to get the explanation from the person I was talking to today. And that's all I got back was there's a fraternity with these guys. There's a reason that they bounce from job to job to job. Peter Shirelli could not have done worse in Boston. He traded away Tyler Sagan for Louis Erickson and a bucket of balls or pucks. And he gives away Dougie Hamilton like too, franchise, right? Right, and then he gives away a franchise player. player in Dougie Hamilton who got Norris votes last night, and yet yeah. he gets hired in Edmonton. I mean, these guys all know the kind of code. Nobody wants to be the one that goes outside the box, and it's another reason that analytics haven't really taken off in hockey yet either. And I think maybe you saw some of this in the early 2000s in baseball where it was an old boys club, and then that just got hit with a torpedo. But that torpedo hasn't come yet for hockey. So these guys all kind of play by the rules, and the Wild are huge beneficiaries of that. We're old school and we're proud of that or something like that. So let me give you a caller this scenario for why the Dumba... Why keeping him is really smart, and, and what this is, this trade is the reverse to me of a trade that, while there are some who will still say to this day that clearing this guy's salary off the books was a good idea, this trade still keeps you awake at night. The Sharks trade. You yeah. get Devin Setaguchi, who had an alcohol problem and looked like a good player, but washed out. You got a top pick that you used, I think it was 28 or 29 gentlemen, on Zach Phillips, who unfortunately you found out really couldn't skate well. <laughs> and you got Charlie Coyle, who I think we'll all say is a nice player. You gave up Brent Burns. Brent Burns was young, but to your point, Collar, he was developing, and he was at that age where you're like, he's sort of aging, but he's not near mm-hmm. where the development will come for a defenseman. The Sharks said, you're going to play defense. He turned into a Norris Trophy defenseman. Uh, the reverse of this, in in my opinion, and I'm not comparing Dumba and Burns currently. What I'm saying is he might get there someday. He yeah. could. I would much rather give up Halla, who I deem to be a decent bottom six player, who I believe consistency-wise is not great, but when he's good, he's very good. Oh. And Tuck, who to me is Charlie Coyle, which means a power forward who I like a lot. But if you're telling me 
that let's say within the span of five or six years that I gave up Brent Burns and now in the expansion draft, I exposed a defenseman who I could wake up and have gotten almost nothing for or nothing and he's going to be really good. That to me is why this deal was smart. And Charlie Coyle is the absolute ceiling of Alex Tuck. Sure. So that's if everything goes right for him, then he'll be as good as Charlie Coyle, who is a nice player, but not a superstar by any means like Brent Burns is. That should have been the fear. It was the fear. And that's why you give up these players is to keep Mad Dumba. The other thing that he's been behind other guys so far early in his career. And over the next three or four years, you could see a transition into more ice time for him, more power play time for him. I was looking at the power play numbers. Per 60 minutes of power play time, he's their best scorer. So the scoring rate, uh, not just the power play points. If you just look at the points, yes, Suter's got more. But actually, actually when Dumba's on the ice for the power play, they do better than when Ryan Suter is on the ice. So if he starts getting more power play time, he develops a little bit of his defensive game. But the thing is that we just overstate that all the time. I I, I don't know. What's a baseball thing that early before Moneyball people overstated? I don't don't know. Maybe it's There's a million things that were overstated before. I mean... Maybe it's um, gritty players or whatever else. The guy, guy's ability to bunt or something like that. But I would say move the runner over or the, the number <laughs> yes. two hitter. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Handles well, the bat. It's it's almost gotten laughable with offensive defensemen how much they're over-criticized compared to the facts when it comes to their defensive ability. You and I sit up in the press box sometimes, Judd, and watch plays that Matt Dumba makes in his defensive zone, and we go, what was he doing? Right. But what the result usually is, is a shot that Devin Dubnik stops. I mean, your goalies are so good that most of the time they're stopping 92% of the shots. You can And Brent Burns still to this day makes oh, those yes, plays. He sure does. And he's not flawless. And so do almost all of the offensive defensemen. They become more evident to you because these guys have the puck all the time. You know, Jonas Brodeen doesn't have the puck that often. So you're like, oh, he, he didn't have as many turnovers as Matt Dumba. Well, clearly because Dumba was carrying the puck a lot more than Brodeen was. So it's going to stand out to you, especially if there's a bad one. And there will be lots of bad ones if you carry the puck all the time. You are going to have those mistakes and it will stand out mm-hmm. uh, to you. And, and, that, and that's why you have this narrative about, oh, this guy can't play defense, got to get rid of him. But when you look at his, how often they're outscoring or how much they're outscoring opponents by when he's on the ice, he's the best over the last three years. He's not taking on the Anzi Kopitars just yet. But that's what you hope he grows into. That's a player to me you just can't let go. So you're, I guess you're, if you're looking for a really good baseball analogy, it would be kind of the corner position player, the first base, the left field, right field guy, who's not Byron Buxton defensively, but is going to hit a bunch of home runs and driving runs, and you're just going to have to live with. Uh, it's like Delman Young in 2010 drove in over a hundred. Batted like 320 and train wrecked a few times in left field. One time got stretchered off the warning track in Milwaukee because he lodged his foot into the wall padding on accident and then like came back the next day and was totally fine. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe it would be kind of like if uh, there are some people, a handful that Mm -hmm. hate the Yankees so much that they hate that they don't like Derek Jeter and they will find ways to criticize Derek Jeter, which usually is about his defense. Oh, well, he didn't have anywhere near the range of a Ray Ardonez. Sure, sure, well, but he's a top five hitting shortstop of all time. So you know what? A handful of balls that he doesn't get to rolling up the middle, it's probably Collar, not that big of a deal. I think the difference is when Dumba screws up, 
it's a screw up and you're like oh my gosh you just lost the puck and now and now the guy from Chicago is going in on a, a breakaway and so I think where we get caught up in his mistakes is they're often mistakes where you're like oh my gosh he just did that but what you then don't turn around and say is for for every one mistake he makes like that he has the ability to do things that three defensemen don't have right and that's the difference and and keep in mind too guys defensemen that can move the puck now in today's game are hard to find like Brodine and Suter can transition the puck Mm -hmm. but when you're talking about can you pick up the puck and go with it and have the shot that Dumba does, those guys are hard to find. And I don't think you have to look very far to see how valuable these players can be. Uh, P.K. Subban, of course, was criticized for his defensive plays, too aggressive, and some of that has to do with uh, the overcriticism with who he is and his race and how he uh, acts in the public that some people don't like, which I think is great and fun and whatever else, but it leads to making up reasons to not like him uh, when it comes to his defensive play or whatever else. He's the number one defenseman on the team that was in the Stanley Cup final that probably got jobbed out of a really good chance to win the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but, I mean, that's all offensive-minded defensemen for the most part. There is one guy who's really a defensive shutdown, a Brodeen-type guy, Matthias Eckholm, on that entire out of six defensemen. All the rest are puck-moving guys that score and move the puck up ice. Ryan Ellis was one of their top scorers in the playoffs. That's the type of player that Matt Dumba can be. And if you let him go to somebody else, uh, well, now you have Spurgeon as your offensive guy, but that's pretty much it. And you are a ways behind some of these other teams that have already been putting their efforts into that. Gents, there's a lot of speculation. Uh, and Lou Nanny was on our show just a couple hours ago. with, And he's not just making this up. He's speculating, wink, wink, that the Wild will trade a defenseman sometime in the coming days or sometime early next week. Probably for a more established forward. Uh, we talked about uh, Steppen with the Rangers, who's 27 years old. I'll start with Collar on this one. If they trade a defenseman, a Scandella, and 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 they have to be mindful of the salary cap too, what should they hope to get in return, knowing that this is a win-now window for the Wild? Uh, for Marco Scandella, not a whole lot. And there's a reason for that. Two reasons for that. Number one, the Wild are in cap trouble, and everybody knows it. Everybody knows about the Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter deals. They also know that Mikel Granlund and Nino Niederreiter are RFAs, and those guys are going to get paid. Granlund is one of the highest scorers in the league this year. So, yeah, he's going to be asking for money. Niederreiter is one of the best all-around wingers in the game. You're going to have to pay these guys. Scandella is the one where you have an opportunity to move out $4 bucks over the next three years. Uh, the other thing for why they won't get so much is – all of the sudden, when Vegas drafted a buttload of defensemen last night, they uh, now can trade them, and they know that they're valuable. But all of a sudden, the defenseman market went from, you can't get a good defenseman from anybody for nothing. You, If you give away an average defenseman like Adam Larson, you get Taylor Hall back. But now that's quickly changed to, okay, there's eight guys that are on the level of Marco Scandella who are kind of available, so the price goes down. And I wouldn't expect anything more than a depth forward and maybe a draft pick. So Louis said uh, that the two that he threw out to us when he was on was uh, Dumba for Steppen with the Rangers, which I don't love, or Scandella mm-hmm. for Golcheniak with Montreal, which if you can do, call him up and do it right this second yes. as far as I'm, yes. I'm concerned. And the one intriguing thing is Scandella is from Montreal. 
And they love players from there. If I could do that trade, Collar, i do that trade in a heartbeat. That's the exception because Montreal is so insane and dumb that and they would do not something a, Yeah, else. he's not a good yeah, GM. No, I don't think so at all. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, he's just, a, it's he, like the fantasy league where you call up your... you yes. got the one guy in the league who will give you Tom Brady for a bucket of footballs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that they the, the trade of P.K. Subban is one of the worst trades of all time. Not that I have a, a problem with Shea Weber, but his age, his contract. But you know what Scandella does? He fits perfect. He's from Montreal, right? He's a pretty quiet kid, right? I mean, everything. This is a franchise right now that deals in who can we bring in that people will like. Shea Weber is a prime example. I mean, P.K. <laughs> yeah, Subban yeah, was yeah. a polarizing and, figure. He's a great player, but they flat out didn't like him. Uh, yeah, and if they're crazy enough to deal Alex Galchenyuk, who scored 30 goals at age 22. He's a Milwaukee kid. He's a U.S. kid. I'm telling you, call up and do it. it, it they, they would be completely out of their mind to do that. But then again, it's Montreal. So that's the exception. When I say I don't expect a giganto return for Marco Scandella, the exception is there are a few GMs who do really wacky stuff in this league, so you never really know. Uh, let's come back. A little bit of bad news for the Wild as I see it. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on what the Wild roster could look like as we project forward here throughout the NHL offseason. Mackie and Judd with Matthew Collar. And, you know, sitting on the corner of 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, it's that bright, shiny, new facility called Luther Brookdale Toyota and uh, I'm looking on the specials page right now, new vehicle specials, 2017 Toyota Camry, one of the most durable vehicles you're going to find, $260 a month, a 36-month lease, no money due at signing. And that comes with all kinds of amazing technology in vehicle, reverse cam, if you're bad at parallel parking, or if you just want to be safer in driveways and parking lots, grocery stores, reverse cam will change your entire life. It's it's amazing. Entune system, able to connect your phone to the dashboard and to the speakers. So go check it out. Go get a test drive open until uh, tonight, 9 o'clock, 2017 Camry for $260 a month on a 36-month lease, no money down at signing, go talk to Paula, Tony, my friend Badu, Luther Brookdale, Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. We need a therapist on this show. Mackey and Judd. You know what? That wouldn't be a bad idea. On 1500 ESPN. They were winners last night. Get your tickets now to see Minnesota United FC. Hosting Vancouver this Saturday. It'll be a 7 o'clock start at TCF Bank Stadium. Just head to MNUFC.com to purchase your tickets. Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar is in here. You can find all of his Vikings work on a daily basis. Written form. You can find the Purple Podcast all on 1500ESPN.com. He also dabbles in hockey as a weekly contributor to ESPN.com's insider coverage. As Judd scoffs at that, I don't know why. No, I didn't scoff. I laughed. He dabbles in hockey. He dabbles in hockey. He dabbles in hockey. (laughs) Uh, Last night, Connor McDavid won the Hart Trophy. And he becomes only the third player in history by age 21 to win that trophy. Wayne Gretzky and Sidney Crosby are the others. Here's the bad news for the Wild. Edmonton is here. Edmonton is no longer this thing on the horizon. And, well, at some point, Edmonton's going to... No, Edmonton is here. Edmonton went further in the playoffs than the Wild. Edmonton has perhaps the best player in the NHL right now. So not only as we sit here and discuss... What can they do to tweak the roster to maybe salary cap flexibility and Dumba this? You're looking at Connor McDavid and Edmonton for a long, long time. 
Nashville just went to the Stanley Cup Finals, almost won the damn thing. Chicago's not going away quietly with Patrick Kane still in the middle of his prime. So the Western Conference right now is so much harder than it was a year or two ago from this point going forward, barring some some massive shifting or trades or veterans completely falling off a cliff. The path is really hard for the Wild. I would also say the Ducks will still be good next year. The Dallas Stars are really a team to watch. They won the division two years ago, had a bunch of injuries last year. Things fell apart for Lindy Ruff, and then now Ken Hitchcock's going to co- coach them, which makes me think they'll improve their defensive issues that they've had. And then they traded for a good goalie. And Ben and, Bishop. And, and Ben Bishop. Yes. And that's been their big issue over the last few years is just goaltending. If they've got a good goalie, Jamie Ben. Tyler Sagan, yep. that is a really stacked offensive team that was the best offensive team in the league two years ago and really could bounce right back to being that. It's a really tough West now, and it's funny how things can switch so quickly because this year it looked like it was pretty weak, mm-hmm. and that was your chance to go. And I don't know what the solution there is. I mean, Galchenyuk <laughs> is probably your best chance because he was a top three pick and Montreal has a tendency, I don't know if anybody's noticed in hockey, to misuse players at times, and when they go to other places, they play better. Um, but they do have a good coach now in Claude Julien. Uh, but, you know, Galchenyuk, maybe you move him to center, and he's your one shot, even if he has some defensive shortcomings, that he can be an explosive offensive player. Outside of that, I don't know how you're supposed to match up to a guy that literally produced at the same level as a Sidney Crosby or a Mario Lemur or Wayne Gretzky relative to the era at this age. Mm-hmm. If you if you adjust for how much how many points they were worth in the standings to their team, McDavid's year this year is very close to those guys. Mm. I don't know what you're supposed to do to match up. And, I mean, you you can't. And by the way, I don't the, I don't think he scored a point against you this year. Yeah, isn't that amazing? So he's going to, but I mean, he will. Well, that's, yeah. Right. Well, that's either so he's going to start the wild to beat you. is doing something very good, or it means here's, that regression is going to slap you in the face. Here's next my year. problem. My problem with the Wilds' conundrum at this point is this: ideally, I think you sit down, you look at your roster, and you say, "Okay, we've got um, these faults. How can we improve upon them?" And improving upon those faults becomes, "Okay, what do we have to spend?" Well, as we've talked about about three times in the show today, the salary cap's not moving. It continues not to move. And now you look at your roster and you say, okay, internally on the team right now, who's going to improve? Granlund and Zucker had good years, right? So if you look at, at this, you're looking at Dumba might take another step, a significant one. But besides that, for the most part, the guys who are on this roster are are who they are. They're not going to take huge steps. Hopefully, Coyle's more consistent. Stahl, you you have no clue. Stahl had a very nice year, but he's 32, and he was coming off a bad year. So if Stahl goes backwards this coming year, it's not a surprise. So if you're the Wild, your problem is how do you – I mean, you can tweak with traits here and there, but essentially the same roster is going to come back, and do you believe in your heart of hearts that you have guys that can take significant steps? And I don't know that the answer is yes. There is a radical approach that would be a possibility, but very, very, very unlikely. Not tear it down necessarily, but if you were to trade Mikel Granlin right now, he scored his career highest, and it's hard to see him doing that again. I don't think he's going to go up from here. I think he's either plateaus here or he drops back down. And if you look at shooting percentages when he was on the ice and things like that, they were at career highs. 
So he scores 69 points. I might expect 58 or maybe 60 max. Now, if somebody else overvalues him and somehow he got Selkie votes last night. Did you see that? Did he really? He got Selkie votes. No, I have no idea why. Do people think he still plays center? Koivu was third. I saw uh, that. Koivu deserved to be third, but Granlin getting Selkie votes was beyond me. Uh, If you think a guy is going to drift back from where he was at his peak from last year, maybe there would be a chance to trade him to someone to try and get a very high draft pick. An example would be Dallas. They've got the number three overall pick, and they're interested in moving it. Those are the only guys that are ever going to be good enough to build around to take you that far in a game where Sidney Crosby's got three, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane have three, uh, Anzi Kopitar's got two. Like, I mean, that's just that's how it goes, right? You, yes. You've got to win with those superstar centers. The only other approach is one that has never worked for the Atlanta Hawks, which is to have a really deep, very good roster with lots of very solid players. That's the that's the only thing that gives you a chance. I don't think it tends to work, really. It's the Celtics model, too. It, and yeah, then they run into yeah. LeBron James, and it's like right, season over. Right, exactly. I think it could. It works in baseball sometimes for lineups, where you don't have any guy who hits 40, but you have a lot of guys who hit 20. I don't think it but works you can have, in hockey, but it's your only way with yeah, this team. But that, that gets you uh, probably a productive season, and that might get you a playoff win, but I don't think that that gets you to the conference finals. Do you? Are there any? Let me phrase it this way. I think we all agree that it's it, to win four different rounds without a top center is really difficult in the NHL once you get to the playoffs. Are there any players, let's say 22 and under, who uh, that next wave after the Grandlin coil, that wave that we've seen for a few they're, years? They're kids. What do you guys think of that wave of players and who could potentially contribute more in 2017 18? The kid from Russia intrigues me a lot. Was uh-huh. it Kirilov? Yeah, He intrigues me a lot. Greenway does as well. Here's where I'm hesitant to get too excited. I think this is a nice batch of players. That being said, we said the exact same thing about this batch of players. And they're good. And they're they nice. are good. Yeah. And they're nice players. They're nice players. But are they difference makers in the postseason when you have to win playoff series? So far, the answer to that is no. So I think this is a good group of players and prospects coming up. But can I sit here in full confidence and say this is the group that's going to do it? That's hard. Yeah, when you have to beat a Ryan Getzlaff who still is playing at the top of his game, or you have to beat a Tyler Sagan or a Kopitar if the Kings bounce back, or a Taves, it just you start to add it up and you go, boy, this is going to be hard. And then Ryan Johansson's twenty four. And that was the difference for Nashville. Nashville was this team, this wild team, for a long, long time. And they offered they, Dumba for him, and they said no because they, they traded for Popeye Jones's kid in uh, Columbus. Seth Jones, yeah. They, it was, but Nashville is the same story. Well, David Legwan's pretty good, or yeah. you know, Craig Smith, or whoever, and on and on. They had Matt Cullen too at one time. Yep, there, a lot of very good players, no real super great players, and then they get Subban, they get. Johansson, to me, is the big difference maker is Johansson and Philip Forsberg. So they've got those two elite forwards, and then all of a sudden you're able to go deep. Johansson gets hurt later on, and they're able to survive it. Uh, but to me, he's the big difference maker to have that that center who is a top draft pick and a top talent. That's the one thing this team doesn't really have unless uh, Eric Stahl builds a time machine and goes back about a decade. Then, <laughs> yeah, then maybe. Exactly. But, but I mean, Ko- Koivu is good. Stall at this point in his career is good. Eric Sinek, I expect to be Here, good. Here's your fear. Guys, your greatest fear is this. In 2017-18... Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the clowns thing. Stall. 
That's definitely my recurring dream, oh. biggest fear. No, 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 no. Your biggest, clowns. your biggest hockey fear. If you dabble oh. in hockey, your biggest fear is this. 2017-18, Stahl takes the step back again, yeah. and now you have Stahl and Koivu, and if, if Stahl takes the step back, he is a two or three, and you are left with no top-line center whatsoever. Nope. I'm talking nobody even close, because what we found out last year is if you cast Koivu correctly, he's actually productive. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to saying, okay, Eric Stahl is, is now playing like he did in 2015-16, now you say, well, can we move Koivu back up? The answer is no, you really can't. My concern, though, is there, I mean, there are guys across this roster who set career highs or were way up there for shooting percentage and things like that, and Koivu is one of them. He's 34 years old, and he's coming mm-hmm. off a really, really great year. But anytime a guy is 34, do you expect him to do that again? And his contract for what the expectations for him is going to oh, make? He's going to make almost bad, seven million dollars. It's a bad contract. That was a bad contract. So, so you, what you're relying on even next year for yep. your centers yep. are Koivu thirty four and Stahl thirty two, and then Erickson X twenty. And right, right now that they're actually talking about moving Coyle back to center and starting Erickson Eck on the wing. And we know that Coyle is very, very up and down. Yes. when it comes to that. Uh, you, I guess you could move Granlin back to center, but you don't want to do that. They don't want to do that at all. He was ineffective, and he's much better flying through the neutrals on the wing. It's a it's a team that is going to be competing for a playoff spot, and they've got a coach who routinely over his career has beaten expectations. But if you're saying, is this a team that's trending way up or trending down, you would have to say they're not trending into the basement, but they can't be trending up at this point with so many key players getting older and not adding a superstar young player to the mix. You know what I've noticed? You guys love hockey. We do love hockey. Oh, yeah. Love hockey. We do love hockey. That's so true. Love it. Hey, let's bring back. I love hockey so much that I just cross-checked Judd in the head. Ouch. (laughs) Been suspended for five games. No, I've not been suspended. You've been fined $12. They don't don't bother, yeah. You can find uh, Matthew Collar's stuff on 1500ESPN.com or follow him on Twitter at Matthew Collar, C-O-L-L-E-R. Let's bring back some Ask Mackie and Judd to end the show today. I threw out the bat signal on Twitter, so... You got questions about life or sports or hockey, uh, Judd's hygiene, whatever. Yeah, hockey. You can ask us anything to wrap up the show. Mackie and Judd now continue. Sounds good to me. On 1500 ESPN.